Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, I've been looking for a wine fest. I'm Nick Out on 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by a man who can also arrange a personal meeting from a vast array of German and global celebrities for a very small surcharge. My co-host, Simon, he's capable of getting a cameo login. Maddox, how are you doing, Simon? Oi, 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 oi. Yeah, doing all right. I'm doing fine, thanks. I very much enjoyed the song. I mean, obviously, I love our new theme tune, but hearing you sing is is like hearing angels like by Robbie Williams. It is the highlight of your week. <laughs> it is. It is the absolute highlight when Clearly. I can trick you into singing on, on this podcast. It saves me from having to sing to my daughter. Honestly, the amount of times I sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, although... She started singing it herself, and I almost cried yesterday. <laughs> anyway, less, less about emotional fatherhood and more about uh, what's been going on. Really, we're going to start, I think, this week, um, not in Germany. We're going to start in the home of our, I was going to say, our, our birth home, I guess that... <laughs> We're going to start in Britain, people. You might not have noticed because there's a lot of news at the moment, but a very rich man sat on a gold throne today <laughs> and told us what the government is going to do about the poor. And it, honestly, there was no irony involved. But um, we've got our man on the ground, Simon, who's going to tell us all about it. Simon, tell me about the rich man on the gold throne. Yes, the rich man is, of course, the heir to the throne, uh, the astonishingly in-touch Prince Charles, who, as you say was adorned and festooned in golden garments on a golden chair and sat next to a hat that's worth about 350 million quid. Um, Was basically made to read a list of promises that the government uh, are going to make. And yeah, the Queen wasn't there to make it because of her age i guess it was i heard it was to it was to do with mobility from what i understood okay. but at this present moment i think she's what 95 or something yeah i think if they just said she's 95 <laughs> that would have, that would have <laughs> been fine so yeah she's not in ill health uh, as far as reports go and so charles has had basically his first real moment in the limelight as like sitting next to the hat that he's going to wear at some point the crown the, the, yeah the crown sorry i'll start calling it a hat guess guess if i'm a royalist or a republican everyone <laughs> it's the bejazzled hat of monarchy uh and yeah like he read this this speech it wasn't really a speech it was a, bu- a set of bullet points uh, about what the majesty's government is going to do what will happen and yeah it was not great news really obviously these kinds of events are full of pomp and stupidity (laughs) shouldn't necessarily be taken all that seriously by by normal people but this was a really strong opportunity for the for the royal family for the monarchy to to declare some sort of understanding about the cost of living crisis obviously inflation is, is is a problem everywhere uh my shopping's gone up nick's has too I'm sure every listener here is having to spend more money. But if you are listening in the UK, you're in a much worse situation than we are here in Germany. And yeah, it's very, very sad. It's hard to watch. And missing an opportunity to really outline some ways to deal with this uh, was a huge, glaring own goal, I think. And yeah, with this being the first time that Charles is doing this job, it's the first opportunity for, for royalists to really find out how much of a royalist they really are. Do they want king charles uh, in a couple of years the majority of people living in the uk today do not remember a time without queen elizabeth ii you have to be really really old and then you probably don't remember anyway and you're definitely not listening to this podcast (laughs) exactly you're you're definitely not tuned into decades from home (laughs) 
Oh, that'd be amazing if it was a super centenarian and tuned in on Spotify. People have hypothesised for years now about what's going to happen. Is Charles going to abdicate immediately and let William take the reins because that's what the movie writer uh, in all of us wants? But um, yeah, Charles seemed kind of disinterested. Like he just he knows that these politicians are a bunch of like charlatans. I think. Mm. And he doesn't really tolerate it. Do you, do you want some patented Nick Houghton piss and vinegar? <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> okay. I mean, this was the state opening of Parliament because the, the, the previous session ended. And, and it's usually the opportunity for the government to set out what it's going to do over the next session. And what you have is a list of promises, as, as Simon mentioned, many of which were hanging over from the last session, a lot of which has been focused on saving Boris Johnson's job because... Um, you know, you shouldn't have to resign if you break your own laws, apparently, or if you're a liar and you're proven to be a liar. But that's <laughs> by the by, apparently. Like every single time I watch something from Parliament, whether it's PMQs or the state opening or anything, a little bit of me just hates it more and more. And every time I look at Parliament, I'm like, it's outdated. No one understands any of the stuff that happens there. No one understands the rules besides the the MPs. Um, you've got a speaker that doesn't seem to do anything except tell people to shut up so he can hear more lies being spouted by the Tory government. There's no one's held to account. Uh, it, it's just like it's defunct and it, nothing is more representative of how defunct it is than seeing Prince Charles sitting, as I said at the beginning, on a on a golden chair. Um, talking about the poor i just find it so and there's a lot of pomp and well you said pomp and stupidity which i would generally agree with (laughs) but there's a lot of pomp and circumstance involved a lot of it coming from the period where parliament became the most important part of governing the country but i Honestly, I, I would be surprised if more than 20% of the population understood any of the things, any of the rituals that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Rod is a, a position within, um, it, it's own is pointed by the crown and it's, uh, it's basically like a semi ceremonial position. They've got some responsibilities for maintaining order within the House of Lords and other ceremonial events. But it basically the big thing that happens is, they go to the House of Commons to call everyone at the House of Lords, all the MPs to the House of Lords, in order to uh, hear the, 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 the Queen's speech. You can watch it. happens every time they do the state opening. They slam the doors in the face of Black Rod, which is meant to represent the, the, the power of Parliament over, over the monarchy and over, over the House of Lords. And it dates back to the English Civil War. But it's not something that people really know about. It's just these like mystery, mysterious, magical ceremonies that seem to happen mm. that people just don't have any awareness of. And I just look, I watched it, and I was just like, oh, like really, like, are you actually going to do any of this stuff? I mean, the, 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 I was looking at the, the the list of things that they're promising to do. Leveling ups on there, they're not going to fucking level up anything. They've already proven they're not going to do that. Regeneration bill. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'll see, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> High speed rail for crew in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Inexplicably missing out, you know, the north of England and Scotland. But, you know, <laughs> as long as crew in Manchester can get high speed rail, that's really vital. It's just like a long laundry list of pointless, boring shit in, in, a, in a period where people are getting poorer and there doesn't seem to be really anything for them. The Brexit, of course, there's lots of Brexit shite, which brings me to the thing you want to talk about. There's apparently going to be a new Bill of Rights because, you know, we've got to get rid of the EU human rights laws because, you know, that might prevent the government from doing all the heinous shit that they want to do. And I'm sure there's some flag-waving bellends who would say how great having a Bill of Rights is. It, it's a Bill of shites, if you ask me. But <laughs> anyway, Yeah, I mean, 
obviously one of the, I mean, we got a, a lot of politicians who are not covering themselves in glory at the moment in the current Conservative Party, but Dominic Raab, Lord Chancellor Dominic oh, Raab, God. who is what the a waste uh, of fucking oxygen, honestly. Yeah, head of justice in the UK has decided that the Bill of Rights has to has to be produced. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it is just a word salad that means very, very little. But the first bullet point in the outline of the main benefits of the bill would be, and so Nick, if you can tell me what this means at the end, uh, I'll give you a shiny penny. Defending freedom of speech by promoting greater confidence in society to express views freely, thereby enhancing public debate. Full stop. Oh, I... But yeah, great. Well, I mean, that is just some meaningless bullshit, isn't it? Um, <laughs> like that's the first bullet point. Like, who who couldn't come up with a better way to just like sound vaguely positive? Dominic Rob doesn't function unless he has a script in front of him telling him exactly what he's meant to say. So, I mean, I feel for him. You know, he's a incredibly wealthy lawyer who always uh, oh, a solicitor who um, has miraculously found himself in the the cabinet. You know. It's impressive. Yeah. It's like if you promote if it's like if you promoted your pet dog. <laughs> it's very it's very Nero, you know, where he made his horse a senator. It's got all of that vibe to it. I mean, one of the interesting things about the whole events of today with the Bill of Rights and the Queen's Speech is, of course, we're looking currently at a, a, at a government that's been in power for 12 years. And every single time that Prince Charles read out a promise or an intention or a plan, it was always Her Majesty's government will and then a statement of the promise. And there was nothing with has been uh, and then the gerund form. Like, we have been doing this. It's all, everything was future form. There was nothing about a continuation of policy or shining a light on some success that's been had in the last 12 years. Because, of course, in the current state of things, there is nothing that you can really shine a light on and be like, look how well we have been doing here. You can find right-wing journalists and brexit charlatans who will tell you that things are going well but looking from the outside we can we can assure you it is not going well you look at the things that actual problems like housing's a good example right this is just from the bbc article a social housing regulation bill will increase regulation of the social housing sector and give tenants new rights to information great build more social housing Build more social housing. That is all you need to do. But you're not going to do that because why the fuck would you want to mess with anyone's uh, revenue stream, you know? Mm. Like, there's just loads of shit in here. Oh, there's a a great line. Ministers say a financial services and markets bill will aim to simplify EU rules governing the sector. Okay, I'm no expert here, but I can guarantee simplify makes it easier to loophole your way through um, doing all the weird illegal shit you do in the finance sector. Mm -hmm. Let's Let's not pretend that they're all, like, law abiding decent people 2007 pretty much puts that to bed <laughs> everything seems to be replacing rules but you know this government when they replace an eu rule it'll be with something that's significantly shitter uh, this is a great one as well however the long-mooted animals abroad bill to implement a ban on importing hunting trophies is not included i wonder why i wonder who goes out and hunts <laughs> wild animals and then brings back trophies well it's not it's not fucking roy who lives in a council estate is it you know it's fucking prince charles and his mates no it's not prince charles it's unfair but it's like it is it's the wealthy bellends who go billionaires who go off and fucking hunt tigers and like they're chained to trees and shit and it's just like the most basic stuff like how hard would it be to pass that law can't be that difficult really school this is another good one and this is going to save education so simon 
take a deep breath because this is the Tory plan, yep, right? Ready. The higher education, the higher education bill will deliver a pledge to make loans available to students at any stage in their lives. All right, great. Just give them more loans because it's because because we're not <laughs> swimming in debt. It's just not enough, and it's never enough. And and the Brexit sort of flag waving is 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 gone. And what you really need is some sensible legislation to deal with the problems at hand. And what you've got is mm. a bunch of fucking comedians prancing about. I mean, yeah, when the best case scenario is that the government extends its teat to be suckled on for a bit more mm. interest is bleak. It's really, really bleak. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't part of the plan until I saw it today. And it's like, okay, we've got to talk about this. this no, I think, I think it really is. And, and, and the other thing, I mean, to, just to finish off on, on a point, on at least some lighthearted note, mm-hmm. you notice how many medals Prince Charles has? Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck did he get all those medals from? Like, what are those medals for? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a, there's a wing in Buckingham Palace where he just like pops in. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Royal Knights of the Garter, 7th edition, king of Trinidad and Tobago's wheat storage systems. Yeah, it's a load of shit. At least, at least Prince Harry had the decency to actually serve on a front line somewhere, but I, I'm pretty sure Prince Charles didn't didn't really... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's just got lots and lots of medals, and I'm like looking at it going, honestly, where did you, what did you do to get... This, this is my 10 years long service, <laughs> my 15 year long service, my 20 years long service. Naming capitals of the empire badge. <laughs> let's move on to something that's a little bit more light-hearted than the current political situation in britain you probably know more about this than than i do you you apparently according to the intro are capable of logging into Cameo, which is which is really really important. If you don't know what Cameo is, it's a, a website that allows you to pay for sort of minor celebrities and some major celebrities, some big ones, yeah, to sort of read a message that you've written for them or or to commission them to do something on camera. Yeah, they'll do birthday greetings. They'll say good luck on, on your new job. Mm-hmm. You can make them say pretty much anything and some people have fallen prey to this for example nigel farage was made to say a pro ira statement yeah. a couple of yeah, times yeah. but uh yeah <laughs> enough about nigel farage but yeah there is this service cameo that allows you to to basically book uh, a celebrity uh-huh. to give you a phone message and there, there are some big people on there these days you have a lot of options and prices start pretty low and go up to pretty high as well like thousands of thousands of euros right Depending on the use, uh, but yeah, I mean, for let's have a look. For example, Carl Lewis, uh, Olympic gold medalist, hero of the nation, ninety-four euros is his starting. That's not bad. That's not bad at all, That's is it? Bad. Why aren't we paying Carl Lewis to promote our, our <laughs> podcast? Yeah, because that would be more expensive. Andrew Dice Clay, um, misogynist comic from the uh, from the eighties, three hundred and thirty-two. Oh. Yeah. Ee, ooh, yeah. that was like a shit. Exactly. Ee, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I should be, I should be uh, um, on television, really, with this this ability to mimic famous celebrities. I mean, yeah, I, I thought I was suddenly in the room with Andrew Dice Clay doing a new podcast. Um, they also do animals, so you can have Fiona the hippo. Uh, Fiona lives in Cincinnati Zoo. And that's 190 euros to get a, uh, a video message from her. How is Carl Lewis cheaper than a bloody hippo? What the yeah, fuck is Yeah, I don't think the hippo, the hippo knows too much about it. If, if we're being, I don't think the hippo set is right. <laughs> the hippo knows its own value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a particular 
uh, interest that we have in this website that goes beyond commissioning former athletes or zoo animals to gre- greet us in whatever way we see fit. Uh, and it comes from a, a listener, actually. So Karen put us onto this uh, just yesterday, in fact. This is cutting cutting edge news for us. <laughs> indeed it is, indeed it is. And this is coming from a, a Niederbayerisches Weinfest, which asked David Hasselhoff, our favourite German hero. <laughs> <laughs> Of Baywatch fame and Knight Rider fame, uh, they, they commissioned him to make a cameo video, which was like a an advertisement for the wine, the Vine Fest. Sorry, have you watched the video? I have, I have watched the video. There was when I first read the headline, which I mean, in German, the headline was Baywatch star David Hasselhoff macht Werbung für ein Niederbayerische Weinfest. Wie könnte es so weit kommen? So I was thinking he was actually in an advert. And then when I clicked on the video and saw it, it was a cameo video. I was like, okay, this is a lot less impressive. Uh, But here we are, and I'm going to talk about it anyway. David Hasselhoff was approached on cameo via the, the mayor of the town of Landau, and the mayor of Landau is quite an interesting character because he's only 36. He's younger than we are, uh, and he's mayor of uh, a, a town with a wine festival. So I think we can safely say he's winning uh, in in the stakes of life. Oh, I don't want to be mayor. I feel like he's losing. If anything, no, <laughs> imagine imagine the shit that comes across his desk. And Landau, I'm sure things are pretty <laughs> civilized. Um, I hope anyway. This mayor had already used cameo to motivate uh, his staff because he used uh, Lord of Mateus to sort of get, give a, an attaboy message to his team during Corona lockdown. And so he thought to himself that, yeah, he would, he would use Hasselhoff to promote uh, the wine fest. And so he went on a cameo and paid the 450 euros. It's now, according to cameo, 474. So I think the Hoff has got wise to his new appeal. And yeah, produced a video that basically said, Landau under Ezer, party on Landau under Ezer. Now, after two years of Corona, you guys deserve it. It's a, it's a wine festival. Ah, I like that glue wine. And the folk festival. And uh, it's in Landau under Ezer. Like a, it's a small city. It's, well, not maybe that small, but it's in Germany. Anyway, um, I would like to make this an invitation to all the people. Party on, Landau under Ezer. Hoff off. He he took his 450 euros and ran with it. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> However, there is a small small catch here on this story because this has now been published all over the internet and it has gone very much viral and everyone knows that he has done this uh, video for the wine fest. And so that 450 fee is only for personal use. Uh, Cameo is very, very clear about that. And if you want to use it for business, which I think we can say this is when you're the mayor of a mm. town using an American celebrity to promote yourself, uh, it's three thousand three hundred and twenty-five euros today. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of Ko-Fi donations we'll need before we get to. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure we'll ever get there. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, what no. we might be able to afford though is Haley Hasselhoff. We can get his daughter for twenty-nine <laughs> euros did, to do one. So did he, did she yeah. famously bring down the Berlin Wall? No. No, she did not. She, I, I, uh, what year was she? It was nineteen ninety two. Uh, so she was in no way involved. But maybe, maybe after bringing down the Berlin Wall, he went home to his wife. They got pregnant, and she's like, she's got some like German atom <laughs> <laughs> atoms from the Berlin Wall that he absorbed through that moment, and she's zero point something percent Berlin Wall. I feel we're stretching this beyond beyond all reality, but. I mean, it's a nice idea. I think it is a funny idea. And the, the lad who's the mayor 
It seems jovial enough. He's got a, a jaunty-looking Trollby hat that so many German men seem to sport as soon as the sun comes out. Um, I, I guess it's, I guess it's the the fashion. It seems like a funny idea. It's it's at least vaguely original, uh, and and it does again show how damn popular the Hoff is. I mean, we love him for a reason. He is he's so iconic. I mean, a lot of the comments on the Facebook posts were about like he needs to bring Kit with him, and like nobody's watched Knight Rider really for a long time, <laughs> but it's iconic, and so is Baywatch. There are loads of reasons. I think it's still on television, though. Like, I think it's still you'll find that on German yeah. TV somewhere. You'd find it on British TV somewhere. But I don't think he has Kit. He, he doesn't have Kit in his garage, does he? I, I maybe I'll, I'll have a look and see if Kit is on cameo. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the car is. I can't see it quickly in the search function. Oh well. I uh, do you want to know who the most expensive person is on cameo. I do. Yeah. Do you want to have a guess first? Oh God, I, I couldn't. Out of all the b-list celebrities i couldn't even imagine the number one is uh is caitlin jenner oh okay fair enough <laughs> two thousand three hundred and seventy five dollars really i mean really yeah i'm not entirely sure um hasn't she gone like totally right wing oh she's running on the republican ticket oh, to be governor of california i think fuck. yeah honestly man the weird thing about this is there are only two people in the 10 most expensive people on cameo that i've even heard of obviously i'm not on the cutting edge of, of american culture but um is this weird it's very, very weird. But yeah, Hasselhoff, you got to like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I appreciate it. I'm just jealous that we can't get him to do an advert for us. I mean, yeah. If you're, list- if you're listening, Hoff, <laughs> we, we, we will not pay you any a single red cent, my friend, but we will appreciate your contributions. <laughs> we, we would appreciate it so hard. Yeah, 474 euros. That's just the personal use. That's just between the two of us. Uh, we wouldn't be able to tell anyone either. That's, that's probably an unrealistic pipe dream. If we use donations to pay for that, I think our listeners would be disappointed that we didn't buy beer-flavoured jam. <laughs> <laughs> or like a crate of a crate of booze or something or a kebab i imagine how big the like, kebab would be that's, I think that that's why they, they donate money to us yeah <laughs> Many episodes ago, we discussed the idea of of returning certain objects to their countries of origin, namely the British Museum returning the vast majority of all the things that were charitably, we'd describe as... Pilfered. Saved, but but, but pilfered (laughs) would be the correct term, yeah. Uh, Stolen from around the world, certainly during the empire. Uh, We've talked about France returning objects to um, different countries in Africa and and Germany doing something similar with uh, Nigerian artefacts. And here comes a, a slightly strange story of artifacts being returned to uh, the library in Rome. There's a vast library in Rome, the Catholic sort of library that they have. I'm not sure if this is the same one, but it is a stolen Nostradamus manuscript, which was returned to Rome after 15 years of absence. And it was rediscovered when it was put up for auction in... Germany, of course. There we go. We're linked. <laughs> yeah, yeah got, got there in the end, slowly but surely. So the French astrologer, uh, Michel de Nostradamus, I'm not even sure if that's even correctly. Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Michel de Nostradamus, better known as Nostradamus, made a number of spicy predictions in his lifetime. <laughs> and apparently this manuscript was stolen from the library in Rome, but has now been returned, finally. Did you see who the suspect was? No, I didn't see who the suspect was. Is it David Hasselhoff? <laughs> no, 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 no. Even more famous. Go on. It's Tom Hanks. Really? Yeah. Shut up. He was doing that. 
angels and demons nonsense down in, in the Vatican. Wait, <laughs> the is this, Vatican are you winding me up, or is this like? Totally oh, oh I was like, I was like, has Tom Hanks stolen Nostradamus manuscript? <laughs> so gullible, man. Honestly, so That's Dan gullible. Brown's seventh book. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> One would be enough. Uh, yeah, so this is the <laughs> manuscript was called Nostradamus's M Prophecies, and it dates back about roughly 300 years. And it went on up for sale in Germany in a German auction house. And it's not quite clear how this 500-page document managed to find its way out of the library or how it was stolen. Tom Hanks. Yeah, of course. It was stolen from the Historical Studies Centre of the Barnabite Fathers of Rome, and it was believed to have been taken in or around 2007. And apparently, this document's done a lot of travelling. It's it's gone through flea markets in Paris. It was uh, for a period in Karlsruhe, uh, and then an art dealer tried to sell it through an auction house in Fortheim in Baden-Württemberg. The starting price was 12,000 euros, which is no. Not bad for 300-year-old, 500-page manuscript of predictions. But, I mean, it makes you wonder how much it was changing hands for in flea markets in Paris. Someone's done very well out of this deal, somewhere along the lines, for it to get to 12 grand at this auction in four time. Also, how much fun is it to say four time? Four, it is. <laughs> it's got four, it's a yeah. four time. Four, four time. time. Yeah, I, I, do like a, I do like a PF at the start <laughs> of any word. And this is definitely enjoyable. I like saying Baden-Württemberg, so, I mean, it's because I think i pronounce it quite well <laughs> uh, yeah so <laughs> the credit for this discovery is going to the investigators from italy italy's cultural heritage protection squad who came across the book on the auction house's website sorry can we just quickly check on that name because the cultural heritage protection squad sounds like one hell of a group of superheroes uh, i get a feeling like they're the most italian looking italians like just beautiful <laughs> Beautiful, well dressed, slick. I've got I've got images of, of every Italian crime drama I've ever seen and, and they all look fucking great. Do you reckon they're wearing <laughs> down jackets and twenty eight degrees? Oh yeah, I mean they're totally handy. No problem. Yeah. They're like wearing like three piece suits and they don't care. <laughs> like one of them's got a black suit on inexplicably and isn't even sweating. There's not a single bead of sweat is upon their brow. <laughs> Italy's Cultural Heritage Protection Squad. I'm going to say it again because so it's, it's incredibly fun. Um, apparently, they've 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 been very busy. Uh, <laughs> it was established in 1969 and it's retrieved more than three million stolen artifacts in 2021. Uh, the US returned about 200 antiquities at the behest of the uh, um, ICHPS. That's what I'm going to call them from now. Seems about right. Including some Roman sculptures that apparently ended up in the possession of Kim Cardi- Kardashian West. <laughs> Kim Cardigan um, West. <laughs> Kim Cardigan West. Kim Cardigan West. No, Kim Kardashian West. I mean, I, I don't really know anything about it. I try to avoid the, anything. That, as soon as I hear the word Kardashian, my brain shuts down. So we better be careful. We better move on. Or else this podcast is just going to be, be me dribbling into the microphone. <laughs> He read her name, but he's like never seen it before. So, so no, it's I, good. I, I, I was sh- I was shouted at by a large group of people many years ago for se- for not knowing how to pronounce Kardashian, and they made me feel like an idiot. And I was like, <laughs> "No, it's good that I don't know how to pronounce it because it means I don't know anything about her, surely." But no, apparently it was it was awful. But yeah, um, 
this this group of have, have discovered this document they've returned it to this this library in rome but it does get give us a chance to look at some of these spicy predictions that nostradamus has made or had made many many centuries ago i would like to put a sort of caveat on this i fucking hate nostradamus <laughs> yeah. i fucking hate him i hate him i hate people who talk about him in hushed tones as if he's really a prophet and and this is one of my favorite things because we're going to read his prophecies and you're going to see exactly how fucking lame they are right and uh i'll get used to simon to read them in your best uh, historical uh, radio sad. voice yeah. so um this is nostradamus's prediction for the death of henry ii of france the young lion will overcome the older one on the field of combat in a single battle he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage two wounds made one then he dies a cruel death now you might hear that and think well that's pretty ambiguous. But no, apparently it is uh, in reference to what happened to King Henry II of France in 1559. King Henry II of France was, by all accounts, he, he liked a bit of a scrap. Uh, he liked nothing more than than a battle if he could get his hands on one. But he also liked a bit of a joust. And he, yeah, he, he died in a jousting accident, essentially. The references made by Nostradamus have some connection to what happened so we have king henry ii of france and the person he was jousting against the comte de montgomery um that's my best french accent enjoy it people it doesn't come out often (laughs) they both had as their sigil a lion and uh, the king henry ii of france was older than the comte he was called the young lion and uh, it was on the fields of france the field of combat and what happened was they went in the joust uh, the lance of of uh, the Comte de Montgomery pierced the helmet of King Henry II, hit him in the eye, and he died a slow, agonizing death, which would reference the cruel death mentioned by Nostradamus. It's ambiguous enough to uh, be probably accurate, I suppose. Um, I, I guess it's probably one of the only ones that I would maybe say was kind of true you got a, a king who's called the lion and it's all very ambiguous the young lion will overcome the older one that could be anything on the field of combat in a single battle it might surprise you right but in the uh, 16th century there's a lot of lot of battles yeah. going on yeah so you throw a stick and you'd hit a battle i'll tell you <laughs> right so I feel like he's not really being as um, his, his, his foresight isn't as dramatic as people would make out. He did get the fact that it was a, um, a cruel death because Henry died after ten days of suffering. Mm. So you really don't want to be Henry in that position. Anyway, moving on to the next prediction, we have Nostradamus's prediction for the Great Fire of London. The blood of the just will be demanded of London, burnt by fire in the year sixty-six. The ancient lady will fall from her high place, and many of the same sect will be killed. And of course, what happened was the small fire that started in the, in the bakery of Thomas Farriner on Pudding Lane in London, September the 2nd. What year? 1666. Ooh. And it turned into a three-day blaze that consumed the entire city. Okay, so let's let's just look at that in a bit of detail. Um, he does mention 66, and he does mention London. I mean, that's pretty good. As, as far as far as predictions go, like something, what are the odds of something happening in a major city in a year? Like he's 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 called it. He's done well. Okay, so if <laughs> so if I, I'm going to make a prediction in the same way as Nostradamus, right? And we'll see if that works. Mm. Okay, a wealthy man will use technology and become wealthier. What year? 
he doesn't always mention the year but you know it's like the same thing it's just like so general Mm. you know a young lad shall fall from a horse and will suffer a terrible fate and it's like yeah i mean there's young people riding horses isn't it like well done you the look of disappointment on your face that you gave me there (laughs) well i mean obviously i i I saw this coming because you are you do have a degree and a master's in history so i did think the nostradamus probably wasn't your bag um (laughs) But I mean, yeah, we grew up with Mystic Meg, and this dude is so much better than Mystic Meg. Oh, well, okay, he's definitely got the drama, I'll give you that. Anyway, next one, French Revolution, Nostradamus yeah. prediction. From the enslaved populace, songs, chants, and demands, while princes and lords are held captive in prisons, these will in the future, by headless idiots, be received as divine prayers. And I guess this is reference to 1789, the beginning of the French Revolution, but probably more the early 1790s when you have the the terror and uh, the the incredibly violent period of the French Revolution. Uh, but yeah, this is supposedly referencing the French Revolution. Again, so vague. It's so vague. <laughs> it's just like from the unsaved populace, songs, chants and demand. What does that, what does that mean? Really? Come on. Come on, kids. Probably <laughs> his most famous one, though, is his Hitler prediction. I mean, we, we don't talk about Hitler much on the show. <laughs> try, try not to. We, we try to keep our Hitler we, chat to a minimum. <laughs> we do it before we record, get the Hitler chat done, and then move on. Um, but yeah, this is, this is quite, quite an impressive prediction. From the depths of west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the east but it's like a follow-up isn't there there is also another one beasts ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers the greater part of the battlefield will be against hister into a cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the child of germany observes nothing it's just meaningless gobbledygook it's he says hister I, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah come on man what is this fucking queuing on and like you're seeing <laughs> patterns that don't exist honestly man like, this, this is, is nostradom this, <laughs> yeah 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 i mean anyone can make any old shit sound relevant if, if they just put in a couple of keywords it's basically every middle manager's presentation um yeah i, I mean again i mean you could read into it in whatever <laughs> way you want you know I, I i would read in this is a fucking chancer who's trying to ensure that he doesn't get caught out so he just makes a load of random things how do we know that there wasn't just loads of people going oh it's this thing or that thing like when he was alive and we've just forgotten about it or like yeah it's just it all seems a little bit too trite <laughs> if you ask me but you can believe it simon feel free yeah that's it if, if you want to be on team simon uh, then uh, check out nostradamus <laughs> his book's now back in rome and, and if you're not a dribbling <laughs> idiot you can be on team nick but that's <laughs> fuck <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> burn harsh barbs harsh barbs where's the cultural heritage protection squad when one needs them they're all on my side they're uh, capturing those documents so they're not out floating around the rest of the world bothering people <laughs> put it in a box lock it don't look at it again When people talk about Germany, they often talk about how amazing public transport is. It is good. There's no denying it. Even when I now live in the suburbs, I have buses, I have trains, I have e-scooters. I can download an app for and all sorts of wonderful ways of getting around town. I thought you were going to say download an e-scooter. I was like, what the fuck? This is yeah, amazing. I'm living right on the right on the matrix here. And of course, I, I'm very, very lucky that I live in Nuremberg. 
uh, which means that my local uh, <laughs> my local public transport authority uh, is VAG or VAG, uh, which is always pretty pretty funny. We're not talking about Nuremberg; we're talking about Braunschweig. Uh, and the headline coming to us from Spiegel.de is Junge Männer fahren mit Straßenbahn durch Braunschweig. So this is a story of in Lower Saxony, two 23-year-olds stole a tram. And what do you do when you steal a tram? Where do you go? Well, you don't have many options on a tram because they are on rails. <laughs> <laughs> so they set off from the depot, <laughs> heading into the city at night. And yeah, had a nice little trip through Braunschweig on the stolen tram. That's not even the best bit of this story, though. The best yeah. bit of the story, Simon, don't bury the lead, my friend, was the best <laughs> bit about this story. Yeah, so this was early Thursday morning. And uh, they drove to Vestad uh, from there back to the city centre. And they stopped at stations and took on passengers. <laughs> <laughs> So good. There was so many the tram stopped. They're like, oh, I didn't, didn't realise there was a tram. Oh, this is good. So yeah, this happened at the town hall of Braunschweig. They stopped and two passengers got on. And then, uh, yeah, they stopped one station later because there was a maintenance vehicle coming towards them. Uh, so they thought, okay, the jig's up. The two youth hoodlums uh, then abandoned <laughs> the, their passengers and the tram on the tracks. Uh, and ran off. Of course, this is in Germany, so everyone was paying a lot of attention of course. Uh, and had their wits about them. And so the witnesses described the kids very, very well. Uh, and the police successfully arrested them later near that same bus stop. Um, <laughs> they didn't go too far. They didn't do well. What I love is that it's early on Thursday morning. And I mean, I'm assuming when they say early, they mean like one two in the morning or something especially if there's a maintenance vehicle up but the the the, the quote here is witnesses described them so well that they could have been arrested later near the bus stop so they were, they were, it's very accurate descriptions but the thing that really caught my eye and and this is definitely tells me this isn't a story in britain was the fact that it turned out that they were not on drugs or and they hadn't been drinking yeah they were just it's like pretty wild isn't it they, they were sober they were just sober and decided yeah we've been playing this train simulator for many hours i think we <laughs> i think we can give this a shot on the strass and barn and off they went you know good for them I guess. <laughs> Wild. it's is yeah the the whole no drugs or alcohol was really a huge shock of course this could have gone very badly wrong people could have got hurt and the police are taking it very very seriously indeed they're still being investigated in terms of how big the disruption yeah. was uh but yeah driving without a license uh is of course going to happen because these kids were not qualified <laughs> to drive the vehicle they stole yeah dangerous intervention in rail traffic and trespassing uh are both counts as well they could end up i'm sure they'll end up losing their driving licenses uh just to start for the driving license infringement and then yeah trespassing and, and theft they're, they're probably going to face some pretty hefty fines i imagine i think you have to it's a real big public order question isn't it part of me admires the audacity to steal of all the vehicles you could steal to steal a tram i find there's something quite <laughs> hilarious in that so I, I take the tram every day to go to work and um the tram usually turns up at the station 10 minutes before it's meant to leave and the the nine times out of ten, the tram driver gets out and has has a quick cigarette. And in those moments when I see the tram driver sort of lounging around on the platform, mm -hmm. I'm like, this could be my chance. I could be the Strassenbahn farer for the day. Uh, but then you actually look, have you seen the controls they have? Yeah, I'm not touching that. 
Like, I'm not messing with those things. I don't understand any of those levers. What does that button do? Yeah, I know. It's not as easy as the cartoons make it look, where there's just a dial. It really isn't. <laughs> it's a switch, yeah, forward and backwards. Yeah, dead easy. This is on top of something that's 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 happening. I think next month, which is really interesting. If these young people had only waited, they'd only waited a few more weeks, they could get their nine euro mm. train tickets and public transport tickets that are being offered to people in Germany across the country uh, from, I believe, the 1st of June. Yeah. Which means that um, holiday travel will be significantly cheaper. My commuting will be significantly cheaper mm-hmm. for the two months that I'll be commuting regularly, June and July. And uh, we talked earlier about the lack of support for people who are um, increasingly suffering from the cost of living crisis in the UK. Mm-hmm. I noticed that uh, the rich man on the gold seat didn't mention anything about nine pound train tickets no. uh, or any kind of support for no. for commuters. But here in Germany, they've, they've they've at least got this, so that's that's a benefit. But it's not apparently a good thing for a lot of people because Bill Zeitung's been very animated <laughs> about the idea of these nine euro tickets. Well, I mean, it's been interesting watching the penny drop. Because when the story was mooted, everyone across the whole nation was like, oh, it's nine euros for a month of, of public transport. Obviously, this doesn't include your, your super rapid intercity trains, but this gets you everywhere for nine euros. It is a veritable bargain. But then people started to realise what it actually meant for certain areas of the nation. The one that Bill Zeitung was picked up on the most is, of course, Sylt, um, which is a very fancy, very lovely island. Uh, or is it a peninsula or an archipelago? I'm not sure. Uh, it's like islands off the off the northern north coast of of Germany, isn't it? And I yeah. only I only know them because I think Til Schweiger has a house there, and someone told me the the great and good have houses yeah. in Silt. One yeah. of the most expensive restaurants in Germany is is in Silt. But the Bildzeitung yeah. got very very excited about the idea of of people who are not rich celebrities going to Silt, perhaps even mm. taking over the island, which. It, kind of surprising if you have you ever been to silt no i've watched plenty of documentaries about it, it there's always a documentary about fucking silt whenever you turn on german tv you maybe know more than i do but and yeah it looks nice but i have a chip on my shoulder with really yeah, rich yeah. people and obnoxious rich people so I, I i don't want to go to silt i don't want to denigrate part of the country that i love but every time i've spoken to anyone who's been to that part of germany or read anything or watched anything about that part of Germany, I just, I'm bored to tears. <laughs> it just looks like the most boring place. Like these massive beaches with very little to do. Um, that's what it seems like. And it's very nice if you like to sit on beaches and do do nothing, but like it just looks like hell. Like, I think that is what hell looks like for me. It's like a really long beach with fuck all to do. Well, I mean, we're from England. <laughs> so like this is very normal beach behavior. Is like not much there little infrastructure and the only difference is that it's just full of rich people i don't want any any rich people flaunting around like this is some bracing experience about the raw beauty of the north sea it's just like no i find i find quite wealthy people generally quite boring anyway but the the, the places they choose to spend their time just look equally just mundane as hell i mean where is the drunken mid-20s lad covered in tattoos red is the uh, the Union Jack uh, asleep with a pork pie hat on the beach? That's what you want to see. Or the the kindly ice cream man selling ninety nines for <laughs> four pounds. Or uh, the amusement arcade that 
used to have arcade machines, but now only seems to have like gambling machines. That's the kind of thing I want to see. A roller coaster that you're pretty certain at any point will fall down and kill us all. That's what I want to <laughs> see at the beach. A donkey. Give me a fucking donkey. But there's no donkeys in silt, is there? Well, I mean, there could be Balaman uh, 2.0, which could be an interesting change of pace. <laughs> Do you reckon they're going to turn silt into the Balaman? Yeah. I can't see it. I think they'll just end up going to the Balaman. I can't really see why people would go to silt when there's so many other options of places to go in, in Germany, right? I mean, yeah, this is just the, the, the one that the locals and the regulars are going to be the most upset out of all these very popular tourist destinations. And there are lots of places you can go in Germany that are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, the people in Sit will be the ones that are most upset. I mean, I'm looking at the moment at, at Tagesspiegel and the pictures they've chosen to represent the kind of unsavory characters. One of them is a punk with a mohawk. Uh, and the other is a group of lads who look like they might be from Gelsenkirchen or Botrop uh, in the 1980s uh, with mullets and unsavoury moustaches. And it's not really going to be that. But of course, this is a great way of selling newspapers because people think that it's funny <laughs> to watch yeah. sort of regulars get upset about this kind of stuff. I think the people you've described seem far more interesting than the average resident of Silt, but... <laughs> I'd rather hang out with them. If they're going, I'm going. Punks are going north. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it is it is a fantastic bit of, of policy uh, to, to, to make people have better holidays, more affordable options. Uh, it's going to be better for the, the environment instead of everyone flying off yeah. to the Canary Islands and stuff. It's, it's really good. Uh, but we will see how, how prepared... Uh, the German network system is for a massive influx yeah. uh, of people over the we'll summer. We'll see if the proletariat finally rise up and seize the means of production. Boris Becker update. Here we are in the bunker of decades from home, and we're bringing you one of our vital Boris Becker updates. You've only tuned in for this bit, which is why we put it at the end because we understand how content works. So, Simon, tell us about Boris Becker's travails. Last time we heard the poor man, well, literally poor man, but not so poor man. Because he was hiding his tax from the uh, uh, UK tax office. Um, Boris Becker was uh, sentenced to two years, I believe, or two and a half years in prison for tax evasion yeah. and hiding his finances and trying not to pay any of uh, any of his money back to, uh, is it the Queen? I guess he's paying it back to the Queen, right? It will be to HMRC and the Crown. There no. you go. The Queen needs a new crown. <laughs> uh, so, so what's the update on, uh, on our old friend Boris Becker? I mean, yeah, I mean, what an episode. Hasselhoff and Becker in one. I mean, if this doesn't get us an award of some sort, I don't know what is. Where's my goddamn Pulitzer? As <laughs> <laughs> a very lofty hope. So yeah, obviously Becker's in, in jail now, and there's been not a huge amount of people being like, "Oh, this is a real tragedy." Like his wife and his daughter have both come out and said that it's really unfair. But a lot of other people have just like, well, yeah, he's kind of had it coming. It's, it's been quite an interesting reaction. But of course, Boris lives in the UK and has done for a long time. But the headline is, unfortunately, that he's now facing deportation from the UK. And this has been confirmed by the Home Office. Yeah, he might 
have to be sent back to Germany and that could potentially open up to further uh, trial proceedings here in Germany because he still has a few legal issues here that he's got to clear up as well. And so after being jailed, uh, he is now, having had a criminal record, you automatically become up for review in your immigration status in the UK because this is one of the Brexit benefits uh, they want to kick out foreigners with more ease. Uh, so the Home Office have said any foreign national who is convicted of a crime and given a prison sentence is considered for deportation at the earliest opportunity. Those final few words there not being great news uh, for Herr Becker. The biggest issue is that it's very expensive to protect yourself against this sort of proceedings. So experts reckon it'll be about £30,000 uh, to hire lawyers does becker have 30 grand at the moment probably not well i mean he was he was accused of hiding his finances so i mean if he produces 30 grand out of his back pocket the, the, the hmrc might be like hang on a fucking second so yeah that's not great news for him the other really really bad news is that it all depends on when these activities took place in terms of eu legislation being superseded by the new UK's Borders Act, uh, which came in on 31st December of 2020. Because if the criminal conduct took place after the 31st December 2020, then he can be automatically deported for getting a 12-month sentence. And so this is quite an easy thing for the Crown Prosecution Services to prove because he's just been done for it. Because he didn't produce his wealth after the trial had taken place. If he'd come clean at this point then he might have been able to avoid this potential automatic deportation. Uh, so this is pretty bad news for Boris. So he might, in the best case scenario, he'll do maybe a year and nine months with good behaviour, uh, maybe a little bit under that, and then he'll be deported to Germany. There's a couple of things that were, were notable from this news story. I believe it, this one's coming from The Guardian. And it's uh, a Home Office spokesperson said that while it did not routinely comment on individual cases, they always say that, and then they comment <laughs> on an individual case, any foreign national who is convicted of a crime and given a prison sentence is considered for deportation at the earliest opportunity. And on top of that, it is not thought that he has British, British citizenship, which I was kind of surprised by. I would have thought, because he spends a lot of time in the UK, that he would he would have got it. So he may actually have British citizenship, which means they won't deport him or can't deport him at least. But again, though, they, they can strip you of your british citizenship now so so yeah it's it's, it's really it's not looking good uh for boris in the situation the home office as it is today in its current form post brexit has a huge amount of power in terms of deciding mm -hmm. who is allowed uh, to be awarded certain statuses and there's a very good chance i would say that because of his celebrity status because of his connection to tennis in the uk because it's an upper class sport there might be upper class people in the home office who are just like well boris he, he does the wimbledon commentary he's lovely really nice really nice german uh, they might just let him off but yeah it's going to be a difficult couple of years uh for for boris clearing this up and if he has to represent himself because he can't pay the 30 grand or be represented by by free legal aid his chance of avoiding further issues are i'd say slim to none uh, so that's all from the new Boris Becker update. <laughs> I mean, there's some good things. I mean, oh, it's good isn't quite it, but it could be. He could be. He's very high profile, and it could shine a light on this on this this system that they've got in place. I mean, the immigration system in Britain is is just a fucking mess, and it's a, it's a real state. 
but the uh, um, Colin Yeo of the immig- uh, an immigration barrister and author of Welcome to Britain, Fixing Our Broken Immigration System, did point out that although Boris Becker could attempt to resist deportation on human rights grounds, that there's been uh, um, young black men who have lived in the UK far longer than Becker, sometimes since early childhood, deported for lower sentences than Becker received. So there's a lot of hope. Um, and it also could be, it could actually make legal history this situation because this was this might be the first case, and, and, and this is from a guy called Christopher Cole, a consultant solicitor. He said it might be the first case, that at least that he's seen, that would test the new legal landscape. And he's quoted as saying, it's uncharted territory. I'm not aware of any cases like this one where the courts have had to decide which side of the dividing line the offending behavior occurred. It just seems to be ongoing. I feel like the Boris Becker update is 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 going to stick around for a bit longer as, as this story unfolds it's in another news. direct. I know yeah, it fills in the end of the show at least. So <laughs> so here's to you Mr. Becker. I hope things improve for you to some extent. <laughs> Grüß Gott zusammen. Servus. That brings us to the final stop of our stolen tram of a podcast. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, give us a rating on iTunes. It only takes a minute and can really help us. You can now also do star ratings on Spotify and on Good Pods. Uh, shout out to Michael for giving us a Good Pod star rating this week. You star. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, chuck stars our way. We need stars. Retweet us. Share a like or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on twitter or on instagram you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com forward slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked in beer jams and jaunty hats yeah if you don't feel like donating for our beer jam and jaunty hats and would probably like to donate to a much worthier cause than than the podcast we're still posting links to various charities supporting uh, refugees fleeing the war in in Ukraine uh, and also to support people fighting there at the moment. So if you have a nobler uh, cause with which to donate your money to, then please have a look at uh, those links uh, we shall find in the show notes. But if you do have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, like Karen did this week with her awesome Hoff tip, you can tweet me, Simon, on at Decades From Home on Twitter, and you can get Nick at, at 40% German. You can also get to us at 40% German at gmail.com by email. And if you have time, do take a look at 40% German.com, where there are weekly articles up every Saturday. All that's left to say is Dankeschön and bis zum nächsten Mal. Bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. 